welcome to episode 166 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. Did I catch you off guard again? Nope. (laughs) Not that time. Did I seem off guard? Uh, No, no. Okay. A little bit longer pause than normal. We've been doing this for so long, 166 episodes. I I kind of know your timing and Uh, and it seemed like a a millisecond. A millisecond. And this is the first 40 miles. Today on the first 40 miles, for whatever reason, maybe you're not going to get out hiking or backpacking for a while. And that's okay. We'll help you immerse yourself in the experience without leaving home. Then we'll review a huge tarp that will give you all the coverage you need. Next, we'll show you the place to go when you can't go backpacking. And we'll wrap up the show with some strong words from someone who always seemed to have time to get outdoors. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. We wanted to dedicate today's episode to the armchair backpacker. The armchair backpacker is a person who may not be able to get out backpacking for whatever reason. Maybe weather is not permitting them to, or maybe it's health reasons, or maybe there's some fear. Maybe they don't have someone to kind of guide them along. Whatever the reason, these people still want to experience the benefits of the backcountry. They want to experience the scenery, the camaraderie, the gear talk, and the excitement of hearing about these trips. And not being able to get out into the backcountry, it's hard because it fills a need that you have to get away and to refresh and be filled up by what nature has to offer. And there's no complete substitute for an actual real backpacking trip. There's something about being out there that's different than reading about being out there or watching something or hearing something about being out there. But we do have an amazing ability to look forward and to envision the future. And that ability can kind of keep us going during those times when we're just not getting out there. The hope that things will be better and you'll be able to get outdoors and have those experiences that enrich you so much. I remember the feelings I would have sitting in the last period of school, when I was elementary school, middle school, high school, maybe looking out the classroom window a little bit, and especially if it was a sunny day in western Washington at the end of the school year. Those butterflies in the tummy, this the excitement of school's almost over and I get to go home and go outside. And I can't wait. And being outside is really amazing. But that feeling that I had just anticipating being outside, that was pretty amazing too. I have a little bit different feeling about nature. And maybe some of our listeners can relate to this. When I'm inside, I want to stay inside forever. When I'm outside, I want to stay outside forever. (laughs) It's the same thing when I go to sleep or when I wake up. When I go to sleep, I just want to stay sleeping forever. I don't really want to get up. (laughs) And, you know, when I'm awake, I don't want to go to sleep. 
So that's kind of how I feel about nature. When I'm outside, it's like, oh, this is so great. Now I understand why Josh craves this and why he <laughs> needs it. But if I'm not outside, then I, f- I forget. I forget how great it is, how rejuvenating, relaxing, fulfilling. Uh, it fills buckets. It opens your mind. Just all these great things. But I, I kind of need the nudge. And maybe today's episode is a little bit for me, but hopefully it's for some other people too. But uh, armchair backpacking means that you're experiencing kind of all the, the pretty stuff from outdoors without getting all of the benefits, but it could be the thing that nudges you outside and reminds you, hey, there's a world out there where life is simpler and you don't have robocalls and uh, you don't have junk mail. and Your life is just more, uh, I guess, refined, if that's the right word to use. That's what it feels like anyway. So for me, perhaps armchair backpacking helps me to address that longing that I have to get outside. I can't get outside quite yet, but as an armchair backpacker, I can read about it, hear about it, watch about it. And perhaps for you, armchair backpacking is what gives you that reminder of how good it will be to get outside. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, today we want to share the top five ways to go armchair backpacking. If you can't get out and you're stuck in for whatever reason, here are some ways to kind of inspire yourself, tease yourself, and motivate yourself to get out as soon as possible. So we're not going to promise that these methods are (laughs) substitutes for a real backpacking trip, but they're more like gap fillers or motivators. Well, the number one way to go armchair backpacking is to dig deeper. If you're not out experiencing an area through time on the trail, then you can get to know that area through reading guidebooks and learning the history of that area. Guidebooks usually tell enough of the story of the trail to paint a picture without revealing too much. In fact, if you have some old guidebooks, it's really fun to read through hikes that you've been on and that you're really familiar with. And as you read through them, you can almost relive the hike in your mind. Recently, when we were on a hike to Heather Lake with Rudy Gitzek from the Cascade Hiker podcast, we stopped by this little store. In fact, I probably wouldn't have noticed it if Rudy hadn't pointed it out. He said, we've got to stop in here. We've got to say hi to everyone. And I got a treat for you. Like, you're going to love this. It was Green Gables General Store, and it was a treasure. It was a gem. The store had hiking books. It had these cute little sets of cards, too, that had information about local hikes. And then the folks who ran the store just knew a ton about the local area and the history and the hikes. So stopping there just helped us get to know that area a little bit better. Then Rudy sat us down with the owner of the shop, who treated us to a song that we had never heard before that detailed the history of the Monte Cristo area in the Cascades. So I'm going to be singing the song Beverly Hillbillies and the Mountain Loop Valley. From Arlington to Darrington, with Oso in between, Granite Falls to Barlow Pass, you'll find just what you need. Outdoor recreation, lifetime memories, come to the Mountain Loop in Snohomish County, Washington, that is, state. 
Some say that Monte Cristo is a dream of billionaires. Long before that Model T and planes flew in the air. With Big Four in and ice caves, there are mountains everywhere to discover and explore, outdoor fun for all to share. So we tell that this because the history of this little region that you know are very familiar with gets lost sometimes because people don't realize in the back of the mountains here, this might be 30% of Snohomish County. That's 40% of a national forest, and that's what's in the east side of these mountains. And that's what we love telling people and educating them about why this is such a cool place to come. I felt like we could have spent all day there at the Green Gables store, just learning about the history of the area and deepening our knowledge so that the hike that we took was not just a hike, but to be able to think about others who had been there before us and the natural history and the people history, whatever people history is anthropology. Something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> anyway, the people history of the area and, and events that had happened and kind of waves of settlers who had come through. I would have driven right past that store. On most of our backpacking trips, I drive right past those little country stores on the way to the trailhead. And I feel a little bit regretful now that I do that. I should stop more, go in there, say hi, and there's probably a story waiting for me. The number two way to go armchair backpacking is through films or documentaries. We stumbled across a movie called High Sierra, A Journey on the John Muir Trail, which is a really fun movie, a kind of armchair experience of what a backpacking trip is like. In the course of an hour, you get to hike the entire length of the John Muir Trail. See all the highlights. It's not the same as actually hiking it, <laughs> but uh, just a, a great relaxing documentary to watch. And also the super cool way to put on your pack. That's right. Which was a backpack hack in one of our episodes a couple of years ago. Yes. Another thing I like about this movie is that they have like a park ranger that's talking about the history of, you know, John Muir and what he did there and significant events. I just, I like that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. So you can find quite a few of these films or documentaries on YouTube of people doing the Appalachian Trail or PCT, and there are varying quality levels, but they all have something that might just scratch an itch if you are unable to get out. A couple of months ago, one of our listeners pointed out uh, one of the channels on YouTube that is really high quality. It's called Adventure Archives. And what I love about what these three guys do is that they take you on a trip that is what normal people would do, if that makes sense. There's lots of adrenaline junkie type shows that you can find, and that's cool if that's what you're looking for. But these guys go on a trip that I could envision myself going on, just a backpacking trip. And you just get to go along with them as they travel to the trailhead, as they go on the trip, make camp hike along the trail, uh, lots of cool tidbits of information that get pumped in along the way. I can picture being there myself. And then if you are an adrenaline junkie, Film Festival Flicks, it's a mountain and adventure film festival. It's like a subscription service and you can watch adventure films. The actual festival is February, March, around that time. And I think it's $30 for a pass to access all the films from the festival. And the film festival flicks isn't just backpacking. It's more like, you know, snowboarding and surfing and a little bit of everything, but it's all adventure based. The number three way to go armchair backpacking is to lurk the backpacking boards and forums. 
This is especially fun if you are an old seasoned backpacker and you still want to be part of the conversation. You still want to know what the hot new gear is. You want to know where people are going, you know, kind of what the issues are on the trail. You want to stay up to date. It's also a load of fun if you have no experience hiking or backpacking and you just want to learn the lingo or get opinions or just listen in on the chatter. You can really learn a lot. The number four way to go armchair backpacking is to listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, like the first 40 miles. No, we're not the only ones out there. Actually, when we started three years ago, there wasn't much out there. And now there's a lot of good podcasts for hiking, backpacking, and outdoors in general. We already mentioned the Cascade Hiker podcast. That's a great one to listen to, even if you're not from the Cascades in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Rudy has some great guests on the show that just introduce you to lots of different perspectives on backpacking. There's also Hang Your Own Hang, the H-Y-O-H podcast. Uh, we've been on that podcast with Jonathan and Mark, all about hammock camping. A relatively new podcast is Trust the Trail. It came out earlier this year, and they've gotten off to a great start with their podcast. Another one that came out earlier this year is the Weekly Hiking Tip podcast. There's also She Explores, Hike Like a Woman, Go Get Outside podcast, Into Backpacking, and one that I have really been enjoying lately. It's not about backpacking, but it's about nature. Uh, it's the field guides, and they'll pick a topic. I think I mentioned on a, a couple episodes yeah. back, you know, where their topic was maple syrup uh, and how maple trees make this stuff and how it gets tapped and what other animals or um, organisms make use of that sugary syrup from the maple tree, uh, or one that they did on witch hazel, or, you know, they do a deep dive into this really specific topic, but all nature related, and it just deepens my knowledge so much. So when I go out on a hike, I see what they've been talking about, and understand a lot more about the ecosystem and what's going on. So podcasts can be a great way to just... Uh, you know, especially if you've got something monotonous going on, like a uh, commute, <laughs> then you can mentally be in a different place that's much more exciting. And the number five way to go armchair backpacking is window shopping. And I don't necessarily mean going into a store and browsing physically. Sometimes it's fun to just get on YouTube and watch videos of people's gear lists or Listen to people who are prepping for trips and they go through every single one of their items and explain why they're bringing those items. It's fascinating because you learn a lot from hearing people explain why they're bringing different things. Another great place to window shop without actually buying is Gear Junkie because you can learn all about all the gear out there and take your time in deciding if something is right for you or not. And while you're armchair backpacking, feel free to throw in a couple games like the Oregon Trail game, the AT game. You can start up the backpacker feed on Google News, maybe eat a few freeze-dried meals and make a batch of beef jerky, maybe throw a few logs on the fire pit in the backyard. Remember that time a few months ago when we ate freeze-dried meals for dinner at home? <laughs> yeah, I do. And... It was a good reminder of how much better everything tastes on the trail. Yeah, I remember that night. We were all kind of unmotivated to make dinner. 
all kind of had a rough day and we pulled out the backpacking food and we ate it and it was so horrible that we all started laughing. It kind of changed the mood of the night. But I know if we had eaten it on the trail, it would have been just amazing, delicious. Yeah, it's just a funny phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Perea Sanctuary Siltarp. This is a plug-and-play tarp, which means that it comes with everything you need to set up whatever kind of shelter you're going to set up. It's called a siltarp, but it actually has dual protection because it's not just impregnated with silicone, but it also has a polyurethane coating on it. So you will get, well, I want to call it bulletproof, but really it's going to be rainproof protection. Sil nylon is cool stuff. They take nylon fabric and they impregnate it with liquid silicone. And then, of course, the silicone sets up and, and dries. So basically, all those little tiny pores between the fibers of the nylon are all filled in with silicone and it becomes waterproof, or at least mostly waterproof, and super lightweight and super thin. The Perea Sanctuary Siltarp also has a polyurethane coating, so you have dual protection against rain. This is the same material that they use in their tents, and because federal law requires tents to have a fire retardant, the way that tent manufacturers add the fire retardant is through the polyurethane coating. And so this tent not only has silicone and polyurethane, but it also has a flame retardant. And a purely sil nylon tarp uh, can actually wet out over time, and it can also get misting, where uh, a big raindrop hits the tarp, and little bits of that raindrop just in mist form come through very very small particles of water so the polyurethane coating helps to just make it completely waterproof this is a really unique feature i've never seen a dual coated tarp before usually they're polyurethane coated or they're a sil nylon but this has both it also has fully taped seams so water's not going to sneak in through the holes that are poked by the sewing machine and then it also has 5,000 millimeters of hydrostatic resistance, which means... <laughs> which is equivalent to the tarp being under about 15 feet of water. And the pressure that that 15 feet of water would exhibit against the tarp, uh, the tarp would still not let the water through. Which means you're going to have a dry trip. Yeah, yeah. Even if the wind is blowing and those raindrops are really coming at a high velocity, they're not going to make it through the tarp. Each tarp comes with 60 feet of 1.5 millimeter reflective Dyneema guy line. The tarp also comes with six micro line lock adjusters and six aluminum Y stakes. And then on the perimeter of the tent, there are 16 attachment loops, which are reinforced and double reinforced. You're not going to have issues with them tearing off in a windstorm. And then in the very center of the tarp, you have a center loop, which means that you're not going to get that sag when you set up your tarp. If you attach it to something. If you attach it to something, <laughs> which we would recommend. Maybe. I mean, if you're setting up a tarp and you've got a nice taut ridge line, then you're not going to need that uh, center loop. But say you set up a taut ridge line and then it got all windy and rainy and things started to sag a little bit. And all of a sudden, the roof of your tarp is in your face. Well, I guess if you're setting up the tarp in a more of a flat style rather than a A-frame ridgeline style, if it's completely flat, then you have the risk of that tarp pooling water in the middle. And that's where that 
center loop is helpful because you could run a guy line up to a tree branch from that center loop and, and pull the center up a little bit so that all the rain runs off the edges. There's an art to tarps. Yeah, there sure is. Because <laughs> if you get it just right, the water goes exactly where you want it to. And if you don't get it just right, then it looks great for a few minutes until it starts to get wet. And then everything starts to sag not quite the way that you thought it would. And pretty soon you've got these nice puddles on your tarp and it gets pretty bad after that. The Perea Sanctuary Cell Tarp 10 by 12 weighs one pound, nine ounces with everything. That's the stakes, the guy lines, the line lock adjusters. And then without the stakes, say you just want to use sticks from the forest, the Sanctuary Cell Tarp would weigh one pound, six ounces. And we talked about how the Perea Sanctuary Siltarp is maybe an ounce or so heavier than it would otherwise be because of the PU coating. But still, if you compare it to other tarps, we have the Eno Housefly tarp. It's 10 by 10 and a half feet, so it's a little bit smaller than the Perea Sanctuary, and yet it weighs a little bit more. It comes in at one pound, 13 ounces. And that's without stakes. Uh, right. Yeah, that tarp only comes with guy lines, and they are reflective as well, so that's super cool, uh, but no stakes. For maintenance, as with any tarp or tent, you'll want to dry it out completely when you get home. Even if you think it's dry when you've stuffed it into the stuff sack, go ahead and take it out at home and let it really dry out. Um, I think another important thing to note is that a backpacking tarp isn't like the kind of tarp that you throw over your truck bed to keep your firewood dry. A backpacking tarp is designed to withstand the elements, but it's not meant to withstand abuse. Like it's not meant to be like one of those crinkly blue woven tarps. So don't use it like a crinkly <laughs> blue woven tarp. <laughs> uh, you want to treat it like you would treat a nice tent and don't use it as a ground cloth. I'm just remembering back to scout trips with blue tarps. I, I think we talked about on a, on a previous episode how we've lightened our gear over the years. And then I went on a trip with the scouts and I saw some scouts hiking up to the cabin with these backpacks that were just loaded with huge, heavy stuff. And I realized how far we had come from what I grew up with in scouts with all this heavy gear. And now we're trying to be as light as we can. And and yeah, so it, it brings back memories of actually taking those crinkly blue tarps on scout trips. They're incredibly bulky and heavy, and one of those blue tarps can take up the entire empty space in your pack. It's incredible. Right, and this tarp takes up about the space of... A loaf of bread? That you sat on. I mean, it's, it's pretty small. It is like a squished loaf of bread. Maybe not like squished Wonder Bread. It's not that small. Yeah, no, this is like the nice bread, like the bread that's three ninety nine for a loaf and has all the nuts and seeds in it and stuff. So when you sit on it, it doesn't compress down quite that much. Another element of maintenance is stuffing versus folding. What do you do with a tarp? Just stuff it in the sack. And we're tempted to fold things if we're a neat freak like I am. <laughs> And, and then they get folded in the same place every time, and that weakens the fabric along that fold line. So it's better to be random, to just stuff the tarp in there, and it gets folded all over the place. But every time you stuff it in, the folds are going to be in a little bit different place. 
For investment, this tarp is $89 and it does come with a limited lifetime warranty. I love that this tarp has so many configuration options. That's just how flat tarps are, so it's not unique to this tarp. But I also love that it has 16 perimeter attachment loops. That gives you a lot of configuration options. Another kind of subtle but unique thing about this tarp is that the logo is printed on the inside of the tarp, not the outside. Now that might seem like a really insignificant thing, but I like to look for those little small details because it tells me that they thought about other small details in the manufacturing of this tarp. So the logo is printed on the inside backwards so that when you look at the outside of the tarp, you just see this really subtle outline of their logo. It's subtle and that's part of being outdoors. I also really like the color of the tarp. It's an unobtrusive graphite. And then one last thing I wanted to note, this is a 10 by 12 tarp. It's huge. It's gonna fit our whole family underneath it. And so if you're just doing maybe one or two people, you could probably go for something smaller, like the 10 by eight, depending on how you're gonna use it. Also, Perea has a few new cuts. They have the hex cut, which is designed for people who use hammocks. So they have a 12 by 10 and an 11 by eight. And then they also have a tapered cut, which is their smallest and lightest. And that's good for if you're just gonna do an A-frame shelter on the ground. And you can find the link to the Perea Sanctuary Sill Tarp 10 by 12 at thefirst40miles.com slash 166. For today's Backpack Hack of the Week, Seattle Backpackers Magazine. I love their tagline. It's the place to go when you can't go backpacking. And since today's episode is dedicated to the armchair backpacker, we're going to send everyone over to Seattle Backpackers Magazine. It's an online backpacking magazine. It's free and it has great content. We think you'll find a lot of great articles and just interesting stuff that will get you all excited for your next adventure. Seattle Backpackers Magazine is easy to find at seattlebackpackersmagazine.com. Of course, we'll have the link in today's show notes as well at thefirst40miles.com slash 166. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Muir. He said, I have a low opinion of books. They are but piles of stone set up to show travelers where other minds have been, or at least signal smokes to call attention. No amount of word making will ever make a single soul to know these mountains as well to seek to warm the naked and frostbitten by lectures on caloric and pictures of flame. One day's exposure to mountains is better than a cartload of books. See how willingly nature poses herself upon photographers' plates. No earthy chemicals are so sensitive as those of the human soul. All that is required is exposure and purity of material which is kind of ironic given the great books that John Muir wrote. <laughs> he really did. Including what we just read. <laughs> yeah, but I think even he agrees that his books are no match for what he actually experienced in the High Sierras. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles.
It's called High Sierra, A Journey on the John Muir Trail. Is that a question? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to start singing an inspirational song or something like, <laughs> You raise me up. <laughs>